So, retrospectors, what historical events are we ticking off on this week's run of Today in History? Well, Monday is the anniversary of the day Roger first publishes famous thesaurus. Then on Tuesday, we say happy birthday, Mr. Potato Head. On Wednesday, the extraordinary stories of the child soldiers who fought in the American Civil War. On Thursday, how King James changed the word of God. And on Friday, what did spam emails look like in 1978? We discuss this and more on Today in History with the retrospectors. Ten minutes every weekday, wherever you get your podcasts. Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, ArmorAll, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on ArmorAll products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at armorall.com. ArmorAll, less work, more clean. Terms apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to For Formula One's Sake, the F1 podcast that will be dictated by the quality of the start. So these intros had better be good. That was like the third time you've tried to record that, <laughs> yeah. ironically enough. It was like your clutch went funny halfway through. Welcome to For Formula One's Sake, the F1 podcast that, in honour of recording this in Haywards Heath instead of London, is wearing traditional West Sussex dress. I'm wearing a sizeable banana across my forehead. Is that traditional? It is now. I feel overdressed. Welcome to, for Formula One's sake, the F1 podcast that, like F1 itself, will henceforth be doing everything it can to piss off the fan base. We're charging everyone for this from 2019. I'm Chica Ayres, and today we are going to talk about a half-predictable, half-unpredictable weekend of retirements, early signs of anti-Eccleston uprising, terrible wardrobe decisions, and the fact that qualifying still doesn't work. But we're soldiering on by giving it one more chance, I think. That's all to come. So with me at the Surgeson Arms is a motoring journalist who, for the first time in the pod so far, hasn't had to travel 90 minutes to be here. It's Phil Tromans. Thank you, everyone. Yes, welcome to Hayward's Heath. It's a pleasure to have you here. The welcoming committee, I'm sure, has just got delayed, but they'll be here later. What have you been up to, Phil? I've been checking out motorsport. And in the sort of spirit of our piece that we did a while back on, ooh, let's see what other motorsports going on. Ooh. I had a very kind invitation from uh, from Honda to go to Brands Hatch and watch the British touring cars. Oh, all right. Well, I went qualifying for the British touring cars, uh, uh, uh. which was nevertheless quite fun uh, and ridiculously accessible compared to F1. The main thing I took away was when I went for dinner with the drivers. With a car, you just like, you give you a car at the end. I that. <laughs> they did, well, they did give me a car for the weekend. Nice Civic Type R. It was very nice. Thanks very much. But I've had to give it back now. What? But, <laughs> but um, you know, when you watch stuff about F1, you see the drivers are all unbelievably lean. Yes. They sort of, you know, they'll go through two hours of practice and then they might have a sort of sultana and a half a banana or something like that. At the pub with the drivers from Honda at the touring cars, and uh, they both had steak and chips. Oh, that that is success ballast. And joining Phil is a man who got Amazon trigger happy and now has a printer that is really too big for his needs and has a soundbar. It's Terry Saunders. Hello, can you hear me in surround sound? Well, you can't because it's virtual surround sound because I couldn't quite afford the good one, but I have been buying too much stuff. I bought a printer. One that's too big for your needs. How big are your needs exactly? A4. 
And how big is your printer? A3. <laughs> An A3 printer? It's like a normal printer, but it's through a magnifying glass. It's just massive. You're probably wondering what I've been up to. Were we? I have been going on exotic <coughs> holidays. Oh. That's right. Not that exotic. I went to Edinburgh. That's fairly for exotic. For the first time ever. It's another country. It is. I got off the plane and um, I decided to get the double-decker bus that goes through the city, you know, to take a good look. Like a tourist open-top thing. Like a real tourist. It wasn't open-top because it's Scotland. Yeah. We were all there, pack bus, looking at these beautiful buildings, the castle. It's all, you know, old. And I um, shouted out, fuck me, look at the size of that Premier Inn. <laughs> <laughs> it's like your catchphrase at this point, isn't it? <laughs> we had a pound. Did you give a shout out to our Edinburgh listeners? Only if they're staying at the Premier Inn. <laughs> we'll go into how the team's fared in just a second. But first, let's cover what everyone's been talking about. It's qualifying in Listener's Corner. So on Facebook, Thomas Golightly said, <laughs> it seems like they're trying to replicate IndyCar a bit with the whole on the bubble idea. I think it would work much better if it was a free running and free tyres for one hour and every two minutes, someone got eliminated. What do you think? Has he worked out the maths on that? Any, every two minutes over an hour, that would mean that after 40 minutes, everyone's gone. 20 minutes of free chill-out time? I mean, to be honest, that's pretty much what we've got now, isn't it? Yeah, I think that'd be nicer. If, you know, we didn't get to see anyone change into their jeans this week, so you know that's got to be an improvement. Do you remember the school swimming races? It wasn't just sort of swimming up and down the pool. It was uh, <laughs> uh, My school, anyway. It wasn't just swimming up and down the pool. You had to sort of tw- swim a length, jump out, put an orange in your mouth, jump back in, swim the other, put, on, not, a, put on a random uh, pair of pyjamas, uh, swim back again. Sure, was it just you in the pool with the PE teacher? Is it dark? <laughs> put an orange in your mouth! There was no pool either. It was Squeal like a pig, boy! <laughs> so I watched Deliverance last night, so be prepared for the entire podcast to be peppered with salty references. So back to qualifying. It was an absolute mess <coughs> on Saturday, wasn't it? You know that I like to have an analogy mm-hmm. for things. I've been struggling with uh, qualifying and having a good analogy, but uh, I think I've worked one out. Because the problem with qualifying isn't so much the problem of the format, it's the fact that they've not been allowed to go back to the old format. Um, Which, um, let's face it, none of us really had a particular problem no. with, did we? So basically, what, what it's like is... Now, Phil, can you do some role-playing here? Oh. I like to pretend that you're my wife. This is, we, we, I didn't know we were going to do this on air. I know. So imagine, right, you come home from work, you've had a stressful day, and I've done a bit of DIY in the flat, and the toilet is now in the sitting room. <laughs> Unplumbed, just in the sitting room. That's new qualifying. Act. <clears throat> Hello, Terry. It's me, your wife. I've returned from my work. Ooh, it's uncanny. What is this in the middle of our sitting room that we share? Well, I figured that because I don't want to deal with the problems that we have in our marriage. Oh, God. You said you wouldn't speak of these. The problems that we've got in our household, um, that, in fact, what I've done is I've changed the toilet situation. So now the toilet is in the sitting room, which makes it a lot better. But, Terry, I didn't know there was anything wrong with our marriage. Well... Yes. <laughs> and now there's a toilet in our sitting room. Yeah, I'm not sure. I, I, <laughs> this I mean, work. you know, I'm willing to give it a go, but I'm not entirely convinced that this is going to be a workable situation. So then cut to after the first race stroke toilet session, right, there's shit everywhere. <laughs> We've been using it, but it's not plumbed in, so it's just kind of oozing out onto the carpet. And she says, uh, I'll take over. She says... <laughs> She says, can we not just put the toilet... I, I, I'm glad you tried this, but can we not just put the toilet back in the in the toilet? And I'd be like, well, no, because for some unknown reason, we can't go back to how it used to be. So what I've done now is I've put the armchair in the bathroom. 
Yeah, but no, the armchair's getting all wet. It's like, okay, well, we can, sorry, we can work this out. Terry, just put the armchair back in the sitting room and the toilet back in back in the bathroom. It's all right, I've got a plan, right? The cook is in our bedroom and we're sleeping outside. Well, it's basically they're offering me, your wife, uh, a choice of, of either the toilet in the front room or the armchair in the toilet, yeah. but not the toilet back in the toilet. Exactly. This is an excellent analogy. Thank you very much. But why? Why are they doing this? No one knows. Well, no, I, I think I've got an idea. Oh. It's politics, isn't it? Because the, 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 the team's all said, this is clearly a silly idea. We gave it a go. And fine, they gave it a go. I mean, I'd like them to work it out a little bit better beforehand, but that's by the by. They gave it a go. It didn't work. They all got together and said, no, it doesn't work. Let's go back. But the FIA wouldn't let them because Jean Tot who is uh, sort of, let's face it, since he came in, has not been the particularly active head of the FIA. I think has suddenly put his foot down and gone, I can't let the teams dictate what happens. I'll put my seal of authority on this and say, right now, I, I decide what happens. You can either do this or this. Never mind the fact that they're both stupid ideas. And, it, you know, it's not... He can't just go and go, yeah, okay, fine. The best thing to do would clearly be go back to the old qualifying. He's, um, he's got to make his mark prove that he can't, he's not going to be bossed around. So they're just being stubborn? He is being stubborn for being stubborn's sake, and Formula One is suffering as a result. I think we- this is the first time there's ever been political infighting in Formula One. So on that note, Marty Fullard said, it's like when you put your face in a food blender, realise it's stuffed, but do it again anyway, just to make sure it really hurt. And to be extra sure, you do it a third time. All right, Marty, let's just get this clear. I do the analogies around here. And Chris Drinkwater said to us on Twitter, typical F1, political gamesmanship taking centre stage when there have been two great races full of action and intrigue. It is true. I mean, they are going... These races have been pretty good. Yeah, they have. And the idea is this was going to muck up the grid, and it hasn't. Mm -hmm. And the fact that they're not allowing old qualifying back is stupid. It's petty, is what it is. It makes them look like squabbling kids. What do you think it would take to make them do it? Money. Yeah, it's just going to be one of those... It'll be a deal under the table where someone says, all right, well, we'll veto this if you can have that and yeah you can have your pink cars or whatever it'll probably be something we find out about in a book 20 years later by one of the drivers or something the new format does provide some entertainment at the start of Q1 because when they go out straight away it's impossible for them to accurately predict when exactly they should go out which they they sort of tried to do in the last one because it's all variable depending on how the other drivers do they might think they're safe to pit but then if a couple of people suddenly improve their times they're you're back in the drop zone with no time to react so right at the start of Q1 was actually quite exciting I thought well the thing is I think the idea is kind of sound if they all had enough tyres and fuel just to be running around. Well, this is it. It's the restrictions on tyres that, that, that sort of compounded this in Q1. With with a limitless tyre supply or tyres that lasted longer, they could go out and blatter around for the whole session trying to set the fastest time. And if they've got enough fuel, they don't need to pit. So that was sort of out? Well, I, I mean, my suggestion, if they want to keep this format, would be that they have a new qualifying tyre that'll last the whole session. It's compulsory for everyone. doesn't have any bearing on race tyres. Maybe give them some time to get used to it during practice sessions if they want. And um, then have a compulsory fuel level for every driver as well, maybe just enough to get them through the whole session. So if they have a heavy right foot and use a lot of fuel, uh, or the engine's particularly thirsty, tough shit, they have to deal with it. So it still gives a little bit of variability, but it means that all the teams are out buzz- buzzing around for the whole time trying to get the fastest. that's what you want. And, and it's the idea that... It doesn't quite match up that they go, okay, this person has got four seconds left to get his time in, and he's at the start of a lap. So you go, well, he's, yeah. he hasn't got a chance. And they can't plan it because, you know, they might have like, right, okay, right, we'll, we'll bring him in now, and then these guys are ahead of us. But if then some of the guy does the quickest time, it completely ruins all the strategies. So yeah, it, it's, it's basically a game of they go out straight away, and they do the first thing of, they do their first, they do one lap each, and if it's not a good lap, then they're screwed, which actually I sort of like. In it's theory. just, that's, that's quite exciting. Because it's like one chance to, to get out, go out at the start of Q1, 
nail a good lap, and if you don't, you're in trouble, as we saw with uh, with Nasser, who went out straight away because he got a shitty first lap. In theory, it could be good, but it's just... It, it just needs a lot of tweaking, and it's 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 not just it's not just the qualifying rules; it's all the other rules that go together. It's the fuel rules, it's the it's the tire rules, it's the fact that the tires have such an impact. You know, they they, they don't go out again because they worry what will happen in the race. So when we went into Q2. Again, at the start of Q2 during the first run, it was exciting because, again, it all comes down to that first lap. The slowest guy has no time to do another, and so he's gone. If you go slow, tough shit. If you make a mistake, tough shit. And I quite like that. So Kvyat and Button in Q2 had that problem again. But again, tyre degradation means it's difficult to do second flying lap, even if you do have time. So if they had the harder qualifying tyre, it could mean, for example, Gutierrez, we saw in Bahrain, could have had another crack at it. Uh, mm-hmm. rather than just going out straight away. As it was, Q2 fizzled out with a few minutes to go because the teams wanted to save tyres and they didn't come out again and it turned rubbish. Do you know how I feel sorry for? Not the drivers, not the teams, but the guy that has to wave the flag to an empty track. Just oh, imagine if he's won a competition. It's like five-year-old Timmy, some yeah. sort of make-a-wish kid. <laughs> Q3, same again. There was a big rush at the start, a few places decided, but then all but the fastest teams called it a day immediately so they could save their tyres due to the rule that they only have to, that they have to start on the same set. If they had qualifying tyres, wouldn't mean it was an issue. As it was, with five minutes to go, only Ferrari and the Mercs were on track, uh, which was quite fun, but with three minutes to go, it was all finished. But Williams went out. They said afterwards they went out for the good of the sport because the track was getting quiet, so they thought... We'll just go out because people want to see us. I don't necessarily believe that. Well, I also think they shouldn't be doing stuff for the good of the sport. That's why they're doing so fucking terribly. <laughs> yeah, it's not down to the teams to do stuff for the good of the sport. The, the the rules should ensure that the sport is good and the teams should be doing their utmost. The teams should be the sport. The problem with this format comes down to the fact that the teams are analytically minded and they will do the best thing for them the quickest time they can get. They're As not going they to go and do extra laps just for the sake of it, apart from Williams. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so the format has to be dictated. So I suggest they do something with a kind of aggregate system where they do two laps and the quickest one goes the join lap something. That's what they're suggesting now. No, I that's a know. terrible idea. That's what they're suggesting. That's, it's, I know, and it's a terrible That'd idea. That would be really boring to watch, though. I, I, yeah, I, it'd be I confusing. Don't, I don't think, having thought about it while watching at Bahrain, I don't think that this system is necessarily terrible, but they need to change the tyre rules, essentially. It's all down to tyres. If they divorce the tyre rules from the race and they have some tyres that will last for an entire session and they all have the same, then I think it will work because then we'll get to see just 10 minutes or whatever it is of all the cars going as fast as they can with the countdown and if they balls it up they're out I think that would genuinely be exciting but well, it's make just it a fact. race <laughs> make it a race so on the well, Saturday they do a little race well that's and, like they do in GP2 isn't it they have a sprint Sunday race and then the main race is qualifying that's <laughs> that's genuinely what they do in, in, in other series um, good I go. mean, that, you know, that's Sorry. another idea as well. But somebody just needs to think about it properly and then implement it rather than trying to do it ad hoc in front of the world. Thank you to Chris, Thomas and Marty. Remember, you can send us your questions on Twitter where we're at for F1's sake or you can send them to us on Facebook where we're FF1S. <laughs> Okay, so let's do a run-through of the teams at the Bahrain Grand Prix. Starting off with Mercedes. Hamilton had something wrong with his rear end after he was clouted by Bottas at the start, but it meant he spent the rest of the race getting from ninth to third. Mercedes responded maturely with sassy tweets saying, uh, was that a move on? We think not. We managed to catch a glimpse of Rosberg at the beginning and then when he won, but despite the lack of coverage, it means that Rosberg is now 17 points ahead of Hamilton. 
Hamilton was still smiley again, despite finishing in third, which makes me wonder, when will he snap? But he did try and distract us by dressing like Lewis of Arabia. He tweeted that it was to show his love for Bahrain, a dictatorship that tends to ignore human rights. But let's be fair, he did have a moment of... uh suffering what it must feel like to be a citizen of Bahrain when Bernie Eccleston said you can't Snapchat in the paddock. He stayed in a, a suite made for Michael Jackson or something, didn't he? Made Jim? from Michael Jackson? F- I said for, but Oh, sorry. From. I misheard. Well, I mean, you know, now we know what he died. Uh, well, first of all, I think we need to address the, the major elephant in the room is that it's actually pronounced Bahrain. Oh, I'm don't. Sorry. That guy, that the commentator guy. In fairness, having lived in that region for a while, that is how you pronounce it. I don't give a shit, right? He keep, Everyone says Bahrain. He says Bahrain. Oh, everybody who, here says Bahrain. Bahrain. Yeah, everyone on the telly. Everyone on the telly, what I'm watching, says Bahrain, because it's Bahrain. Which right? one were you watching? I was watching Channel 4. Exactly, yeah. Bloody. And then, at the end, right, everyone else is saying uh, Nico did well. And he went, well done to Nico Rosberg. And you're like, ah, fuck. If you're going to pronounce properly, it's Nico, not Nico. If you're going to say Bahrain, it's Nico. <laughs> you can't pick and choose your pronunciations, douchebag. So you're, you're in favour of, of, of one rule established by you, and everyone has to stick to it. Yes, and don't Snapchat in my toilet. <laughs> it sounds very Bahraini to me. I've had my own experience of, uh, of, of Bahrain, actually. I've been there a oh, few oh, times. Oh, wait, um, sorry, is that near Bahrain? <laughs> I'll pronounce it correctly. You can pronounce it wrong, but just like everybody else, yes, sheeple. Anyway. Whatever. Um, it's great being in Hawadith. <laughs> last time I was in Bahrain, I was de- de- detained by the secret police. No. Genuinely. Ooh. I was there in... What did you do? Well, I've been there several times, but... Pronounced the, it wrong. The... Uh, <laughs> I mean, to start off, <laughs> yeah, I pronounced it wrong and they, they came and got me. No, I was there filming something and uh, and even though we had all the permissions, clearly somebody at the uh, secret police headquarters hadn't got the message and we were filming at the fort that they showed on the nice helicopter shots of uh, of Manama, the main town. And we were, we were filming there and as we came out, a load of guys in unmarked cars and suspiciously bulging jackets came up to us and said, uh, who are you and what are you doing? And uh, like, wouldn't let us go anywhere for a bit. And then they made the calls and found out that we were backed by very, very important people and they let us go again. But it was a little bit unnerving because clearly they'd been watching us all the time. And plus, whenever I, I've been, probably been three or four times, every time I get to the airport, it takes me a lot longer to get through than everybody else. And I usually have to sit in a room and wait while they take my passport off me and look, look through stuff and then come back and go, thank you. I think it's because you got two L's in your first name. Mm. It's more than likely. I think probably what it is, they go, that must be a, a forgery because that's not how you spell Phil. It's pronounced Phil. <laughs> <laughs> So the big question is, did Rosberg only win because of Hamilton's dodgy first 30 seconds? Yes. I, I feel uneasy about this because you know when Hamilton wins a race? Uh, is it cause we're I, all, I vaguely remember, yeah. Yeah, he said it was a while ago. But is it because we're all just British and Hamilton fans that, you know, we're rooting for him? And well, we kind of go, oh, he's great. Isn't he great? And then when Rosberg wins a race, you know, he's second on the grid. And he, he is first by the first corner. And then he walks it for the whole race. And my reaction is to be like, well, you know. Lucky uh, well, I, I think lucky. the truth is somewhere in the middle. I mean, Rosberg drove really well. Uh, but he didn't have an astoundingly good getaway. He had an okay getaway. Halton had a fairly terrible getaway and then got speared by uh, Bottas. So Who only speared him for the good of the sport. <laughs> yes, that was very good Thank of him. You. I, I, would think, I mean, Hamilton was quicker all weekend, pretty much. 
But no, 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 it was the opposite. He was second. Sorry, weekend, no, you're right. And then in qualifying, he just went. In, oh, when yeah, it, yeah, in practice, he was. But I mean, practice. Who cares about practice? Exactly. Rosberg cares about practice. And then in qualifying, uh, Hamilton was quite, you know, a decent. Well, decent in qualifying, away. Rosberg was saving that child, so you got to give him a bit of a. Oh yes, of the yes. Day. No, he was. He was diving fully clothed into Mon- Monogasque harbors or something, wasn't he? Please explain the story because. So apparently. Um, Nico, Ros- Nico, Nico, Rosberg, <laughs> Rosberg, Rosberg was, <laughs> <Roosevelt>. <laughs> Ted was in Monaco just kind of relaxing and some child was in the sea drowning and he dove in fully clothed, it kept being repeated in the article, to save the child and basically saved a boy's life, doesn't want to talk about it, bullshit, and... Either that didn't happen, and he's got some PR agency that say this would be really good for your uh, for your profile, or it did happen, and he's going. I don't want to talk about it, but when I say that, I mean, can you just talk about it a lot? And everyone went, "Oh, he didn't want to talk about it. It's really weird because we'd have led with that, but no, he doesn't want to talk about it. It's fine." I think the only reason he managed to save the kid is that I mean, Hamilton obviously jumped in first, but because of the unusual clothes he wears. It just got bogged down at the start and couldn't get to the kid in time, and, and Rosberg got there first. It sounds like a huge PR stunt, if I'm honest. It does. <laughs> you tell that to the parents of the five-year-old child. We might be being a little bit insensitive here. Parents <laughs> of the five-year-old child lie. who, you know, were just probably there on some kind of tax haven holiday. <laughs> that's, a, that's a cruise. Is this a five-year-old five mentioned in the Panama cruises. Papers? Yeah, you know, just like, tell you what, I'll tell you what would be good, Fred, if you... um. If you pretend you're draining, we'll get that millionaire to save you. There's always the possibility that Rosberg's just a bloody nice bloke. Nah. Well, he kind of is. I mean, he is, isn't he? He is just too nice for his He's, he's a bit too nice, isn't That's he? That's why we didn't like him. No, I don't like him. But to go back to the race again, uh, I know, I, I think Hamilton threw it away. It was the same as the last race. He, it was his bad start that caused everything. I think if he'd have got a decent start and stayed ahead of Rosberg... I mean, within 30 seconds, they'd have both been up the road from everybody else and we'd yeah. only have to deal with each other. But let's not go down the rabbit warren of, you know, talking about <clears throat> rules and regulations and qualifying and everything. That's all but, fairly straightforward. But they keep talking about, like, next year we're going to have these new rules, the cars are going to be five seconds faster, even though this, the qualifying, the pole position lap was the fastest ever around Bahrain. Yeah. Another rule that has no bearing on what's yeah. actually needed. And another rule is that they, they change the starts to make this happen and it's and happening yeah and that, in fairness and good. yeah no I'm in favour of the, the new clutches it does make the, the starts more exciting so was it Hamilton that messed up the start or was it the car oh, I think it was Hamilton definitely Hamilton well because he, he he messed it up more than Rosberg did and I presume they have very similar clutches so. but Rosberg screwed up on the parade lap when he was in second gear yes he did yeah so Stupid. no I like I'm, I'm all I said it before I'm all in favour of giving as much responsibility as the drivers as possible and, uh, and, and that will make for more more exciting stuff so uh, so yeah, Hamilton did throw it away a bit, but Rosberg did well. Okay, so Ferrari. Personally, as my rubbish predictions show, I had my eyes on Vettel as a real contender to win this weekend. However, he was out before the lights went out. I think it was a power unit failure, but anyway, he was off. Now Raikkonen, however, botched the start, but the rest of the race was great. Um, despite the fact the team kept lying to him, saying you're catching up with Rosberg, but he definitely wasn't. He had a really good race. It looks like 50% of the time that the Ferrari works, it works extremely well. Now, are they going to be a real threat to Mercedes for top spot this season, please? Yes, I think when they get their act together, they're good. I mean, this race was really good, but it was a real kind of, oh, this could have been great. This could have been fantastic if, you know, if Raikkonen had got off the line well, if Vettel had started, it could have been a real kind of, oh, this and that, back and forth, but it wasn't. 
if you watch carefully, there is a little telltale that suggests it was the, the power unit they got, which is when it exploded in a massive shower of sparks and smoke. I don't want to say anything, and then you shoot me down, okay? You've knocked my confidence. <laughs> I'm sorry about that, <laughs> but that's my role on the show. Uh, yeah, shame for Vel. I mean, what else can you say about it? But he got into his jeans really quickly. <laughs> they were just there. Is that now what we... Is, is, is his jeans going to be like Raikkonen's ice cream? Yep. <laughs> Whatever they're out. See, I have, I've, I've met Vettel a few years ago, and he was wearing cut-off jean shorts. Okay. I don't know how you all feel about that. So, that's a claim really to fame Jorts. Man. What's the official podcast position on jorts? Jorts? That's what happens when you... Um, <laughs> Combine jeans and shorts. No, that's more like when you kind of burp and it's sick. Jorts! <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so Ferrari are now 50 points behind Mercedes. Which, you know, it's a long season. That's nothing. I, I have a question, though. Another one. Mm-hmm. Do a real question. Mm-hmm. Now, obviously, the easy answer to this question is Rosberg is faster. But what I don't understand is why Raikkonen couldn't catch Rosberg. Like, he got a bad start, yes. And they said, like, Ferrari said, if he had a better start, he could have won the race. And it's like, well, is it that important... I just, I'm not sure about that. I just don't, I, and I understand most of Formula One, but there's a part of me that goes, just, just go quicker. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think I don't. I, I mean, maybe they could have had that. something strategy-wise in their bag that they could have pulled out. Although, frankly, Australia showed that maybe they wouldn't, as their strategy was useless. But uh, no, I don't think so. I think Rosberg didn't make any mistakes, and I don't think anybody would have, would have caught him. Okay, let's talk about Hayes. Hayes. Hi, Hayes. Last time, Terry, you called it sheer luck. But no, okay, Melbourne was not a safety car fluke. It turns out that Grosjean drove like an absolute hero. He did great overtakes, including Ricardo on lap 25. He had what seemed like a 45-minute pit stop, but still managed to stay in fifth ahead of Verstappen, which is pretty good. And yeah, all right, Gutierrez retired at some point early on, with a brake disc issue. You're right. Question that. <laughs> the issue being that it wasn't working. Mm-hmm. The team now has 18 points. So is it turning out that Grosjean made an excellent gamble? Well, Grosjean clearly made a good gamble in as much as Renault haven't scored any points. Mm-hmm. So he's doing better than them. Is it more of Haas made a good gamble? Haas. Haas. Hey. Yes. Um, I, think, I think it's been an excellent result for Ferrari. Ooh. Oh, Ooh, look oh, at you. Meow. Oh. If they'd have got a pay driver... They'd have got, I don't know how many millions you get. I mean, how much is Emilio Estevez paying, though? I'm not sure. So, <laughs> however much you get for pay driver, 18 points in two races, when that equates to championship winnings after the second year, whenever it goes through, they get the money, blah, blah, blah. He's already paid for himself. It's like this printer I've bought. If I can sell <laughs> enough prints to make it pay for itself, then I'm not in trouble. Are you selling prints? I will be once I've worked out exactly how to make Turn it work. It on. Right. <laughs> so if you want to buy prints from a beginner, get but in A three, Haas has generally been pretty aggressive all round. Not just not just in the race, but the fact that they've got Grosjean and, and despite your dismissal of Gutierrez, he was a he's a Ferrari rostered driver as well. He's yeah, he's yeah. not he's not your sort of you know, he's not a Maldonado style page driver. He's not a Grosjean. He's not a Grosjean, but he is he is relatively handy. He's not he's not just he's not just there because uh. of his money like some other drivers that we could mention. Um but I mean the thing is and, and this seems to be now that they're doing quite well seems to be talked about more is that in fact they are in very large part a Ferrari team. Yeah, if anything, if I was Haas Hail 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 I would be kind of saying to Grosjean at the end of the race, 
can you just drop back out of the points? Because the more points we score, the more people are going to be looking at us and going, hang on a minute, so it's not adding up here. Not all of that car is Ferrari. There no, are some no, bits no, no. that aren't Ferrari. Yeah, yeah. Like the I front think, wing that's failed twice. That's <laughs> not I, Ferrari. I think there are sort of, if I remember correctly, there are something like eight core bits and they're quite large bits you know like the the tub like the and some car. of the wing bits and all that <laughs> the motorhome <laughs> the hospitality unit yeah um there are there are certain bits that they have to do themselves but then they've basically treated ferrari as a supplier for everything else um and some of the teams seem to be getting maybe a little bit knocked about this and saying well hang on a second is this just some of the, the previously independent teams who've made everything themselves who is getting most annoyed by it Force India and Williams and Sauber. Yeah, and but they're the ones not doing very well. So well, exactly. get well, the thing is, I mean, it's Ferrari parts on their car. <laughs> in actually contradicting what I said a minute ago, it, the teams don't make every single thing themselves. If you go to Grove to Williams, they don't make every single component on their car themselves. They have hundreds of suppliers that will make different bits. You know, they won't make their own brakes. They won't make their own uh, dampers and stuff like that. There's no reason I don't think why they couldn't just. I mean, what what, what Haas has, has yeah. done here has just basically gone to Ferrari for all of its stuff. What they've it's done, sort of it's sort of it's equivalent to going to a, the rules. They've gone exactly exactly as the rules are, are written. Yeah, which else is, is going like they've oh, just interpreted we, the rules in a smarter way than anybody else. We didn't think you were going to do it, but expect to see more of it. I would have thought. Okay, so the the teams moaning are the teams a bit better. Yeah. Yes. So the the guys that are probably most bitter are Williams because they did the worst out of Hayes' success. Hail! <laughs> Despite the fact that they were driving nearly a whole car this time, the, it was a trying day for the Williams boys. Bottas got a drive-through penalty for clouting Hamilton. They made bad tyre choices, their strategy was all wrong, and then to rub it in, Kvyat whizzed past Massa right at the end. They did a bit of um, sneaky teamwork going on when they confused Van Dorn so that Massa could overtake like a sly fox. <laughs> but overall with this team, I'm not angry. I'm just disappointed. Now, was this a one-off? No, no it's what they've been awful. doing for the past couple of seasons, isn't it? They, they went through their shit period and then they got to their, ooh, quite good period. Which turned and then out to be, the quite good period was turned out to be everyone else's shit period. So we're looking to, good. But to we're an extent, it. I mean... Uh, so what's this period called? This is the sort of... Uh, oh. Period. <laughs> it's like they've they've got all the ingredients and they can't quite make it work. And it's it's not a one-off. It's been like that for like two seasons now, where they've always been there or thereabouts. And uh, I mean, where are they in the standings now? They're like third or fourth or fifth or something somewhere in the standings. <laughs> somewhere, you know. They're, they're, they, bit, they, I mean, they should, they've got two good drivers. They've got well, one immense heritage driver. around them. They've got a good engine. They've got enough people in the team that have the know-how, but they just seem to keep dropping the ball. Yep, I I, I think that. Haas's success is the worst. Hey, hail <laughs> is the worst thing for Williams because Williams are one of the last teams that aren't a manufacturer team but are a full constructor. They do most of the stuff themselves, and hey, you help. Hey, is not helping. They're helping them, and their model, their business model's fucked. No, it means I, the end of Formula One. And it's a slightly a slight aside as to how this has business model. Hey, <laughs> how this business model will impact other teams going forward because there's there's chatter that Manor will look to do uh, something similar with Mercedes because let's face it Manor struggling a little bit we'll get to them later but they've been struggling for a few seasons now and Mercedes are looking for somebody to you know they're looking for a team to bring up their new drivers such as Verline why wouldn't Manor go to Mercedes and say hey can we use pretty much everything we can get away with from you 
and do a similar thing. And where exactly that's going to leave the likes of Williams and Force India, uh, the who back. knows? For all our slagging Williams off, they do start very well, don't they? Mm. Yeah. So they they thought rocketed right. away from the line and then <laughs> rocketed into the side of Hamilton. <laughs> I mean, that was a move that was never on. But it was an. Are we saying it's in no way Hamilton's fault? No, not Hamilton's fault at all. That was entirely Bottas. If anything, I think Bottas went, oh shit, I shouldn't be here. What do I do now? Oops, <laughs> hit the accelerator. Okay, Toro Rosso. So this race, Verstappen had some excellent overtakes and no obscenities. He spent a lot of time buttering up the team at the end. Uh, I don't know if you heard the comments, but he obviously got told off last race. And it was kind of like when you suck up to your mum after you know you've behaved well. Sainz got a puncture in the first lap and he potted along at the back and then retired on lap 32. I don't think there were that many headlines. I think it's an interesting thing with this year is that the midfield is so close that a team last time out who were like right at the front end and being really, really racy have just really happened this week. So you're saying Toro Rosso haven't improved since last season? I just think that the margin of error is so small that if you're not doing well, you're at the back. Yeah. And well, I mean, Verstappen still finished in sixth, which I think uh, is, you know, pretty good. I anyway, mean, he's uh, clearly been grounded in the last couple of weeks because he's <laughs> different. He's been made to sit in his room and think about what you've done. So, what about Red Bull? The glistening, gleaming smile is back. Ricardo surprised everyone, most of all himself. He qualified in fifth and finished fourth. It wasn't all easy. There was front wing damage all round early on. And despite the fact in interviews, Christian Horner always seems minutes away from announcing bad news or just failure. Don't know if anyone else thinks that. Um, It was a bloody good race all round. The question is, if the car was better, could Ricardo be as good as the Mercedes guys? Yeah, I think he's a good driver. And I think what we should say is actually this race, the first few laps especially, was carnage. I and mean, we're not used to that in Formula 1 these days. It's there so just exciting. Stuff going on everywhere. It, was like, it was like online racing. It was great. Yeah, it was like crashing into this. He's got a bit of wing missing. There's just debris flying. It's like the cars that didn't get involved were just like flicking bits of car up. It's going, oh, I want to get, I want to There were join <laughs> bits in. of, yeah, even, even when there wasn't an obvious crash, there were suddenly yeah. bits of stuff flying off. Like the, when Van Dorn got hit in the face by that bit of <laughs> Perez's car. It's like in the, in the Bahrain environment atmosphere the cars just dissolve it is really hot there maybe all the glue was just <laughs> yeah shit <laughs> but I'm going to say something good about Christian Horner which I don't often do mm-hmm. is I like how he puts himself out there to have interviews mid-race and the other team principals don't he does yeah, I mean one could argue that that's because because uh, he he's not pulling all the strings at Red Bull and he's got plenty of time on his hands but that's another argument yeah that's one argument I feel like that's the time when he should be doing his job but anyway yep okay so Renault Okay, I take it back. Last week, I was singing Palmer's praises, saying that he was one in a million, and within a fortnight, Renault would be on par with Mercedes. But this weekend, they were distinctly average. Palmer didn't even make it to the grid. He uh, retired after the parade lap. Magnussen got a penalty in practice and started in the pit lane, but he still did pretty well. He finished in 11th. Was it just a bad day for Team School Bus? Uh, <laughs> good name. Uh, I don't think we can necessarily judge them entirely on this particular race because, yeah, they did have a bit of a nightmare. We could um, actually judge them on this, though. All right, fine, let's judge them. They had uh, a nightmare. Yeah, they did a bit. I mean, uh, Palmer didn't do too badly. No, he did. I mean, considering he started from the pit lane. Yeah. But he started from the pit lane because the team screwed up. 
I can't remember what, what happened now. What did it they? It was a Weybridge thing. They said go to Weybridge, which I think is near Haywards Heath. That's right. Yeah, the Mercedes <laughs> Mercedes Benz world is there. Yeah, yeah. Well, and he didn't. They went just to Bahrain. Oh, he breached Article Twenty Nine Point One of the FIA Sporting Regulations. Oof. Yes, I looked it Copulating up. Copulating with it. And he started from the pit lane because he failed to stop at Weybridge. Thank you. It's a bit of a technical balls up, isn't it? It doesn't really necessarily show how fast they are or aren't, because obviously Palmer didn't get anywhere. Had a lousy qualifying. Magnussen started at the back. Uh, but yeah, did, I mean, almost got points uh, and looked pretty good. Okay, let's go to the gloomier end of the race. So we had Force India, we had Mana, and we had Sauber. Uh, Force India, things were looking good for these guys after qualifying, but then came to the race and then bad starts followed quickly by crashes. Mana overtook a car. Yes, I'll say that again, they overtook a car. Admittedly, the car was damaged, but still. But both cars did make it to the finish, and this is the team's second best race ever. But not great, but I reckon I'll be happy with that. And then Sauber, really not a great weekend. They had trouble both in the bank and on the track. NASA dropped in towards the end of the race that this car is terrible to drive, put it quite bluntly. So of the cars that didn't have any damage to them, Sauber were the slowest. Yeah, they are in trouble. I mean, they've not been good the last couple of years. There's rumours they haven't got money to complete the season. They've and the lost two drivers were really shitty with each other at the they start. Were, yeah, they, they were, yeah. They were banging wheels. It. I mean, it's great to watch. It's almost like one of them was like, you owe me money. <laughs> <laughs> it was like a sort of, yeah, car, you know, Give sort me of money. trying to force each other off the road kind of thing. Mm. On happier things, should we, let, let's talk about Manor a bit. Um, Fairline looks pretty handy, doesn't he? Oh, he's good. Yeah. Apparently, Nico Rosberg jumped in a pool and saved him. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think he's that young. But uh, yeah, Manor, Manor are looking all right. And, and didn't they get to, the, the good thing about uh, you know, them sort of, you know, being a bit racing, getting, on, getting in amongst it, is that they're getting much more TV time, which hopefully will give them a few more sponsors. Yeah, no, it's... Because they have a very plain-looking car. Nice colour scheme, but there's nothing on it apart from a couple yeah. of little things at the front. It's weird. It's just that thing. It's like... <clears throat> Someone's got to be last, and we've been so used in the last few years to it being Caterham, HRT, Manor, and that makes it quite sad when Sarah are the last ones, because we've been so used to these kind of, quote, new teams just never quite making the grid. And now Sarah, a team with heritage... Team, team with wins. Team with wins. Should Relatively recent, I mean, within the last 10 years. Yeah, it's sad. But Christ, they're boring. <laughs> <laughs> what, the race or the drivers? Just Cars, yeah, I mean, apart from the wheel banging at the start of yep. this race, that no. was it. Quick, should we quickly mention Force India? Nah. Nah. <laughs> Disappointed really from them. They just bolted they? up a bit. Should have yeah. been better. Um, and let's finish with McLaren. They well, seldom give us much to talk about. We've always said that the problem with McLaren is the car continually letting down two of the best drivers in Formula One down. But this weekend, the fresh-faced rookie, Van Dorn, flew in from Japan at a moment's notice to attempt the daunting task of filling Alonso's huge double world champion boots. He qualified two places ahead of Jensen and picked up McLaren's first point of the season, finishing in 10th. What does this mean? Have we been too quick to take the side of the lovable ex-champions when we should take a step back and realise that it's them that are unreliable? not the car if you'd have told me that a Belgian would come in and score McLaren's first point of the year I'd have said what happened to Alonso or Button because clearly Van Dorn is the reserve driver that's what happened but I would say Stoffel Ruffle it's my new thing <laughs> Stoffel Van Dorn run on the floor laughing Stoffel Ruffle so whenever he says something funny Stoffel Ruffle hashtag that's mine 
I mean, he made Button look ordinary, but Button has been unlucky. That's the first time Button's unlucky. Oh, I'm so, I'm so unlucky. Oh, it's happened every single time. Um, but yeah, I think you're right. I think maybe having uh, Statler and Waldorf in the car isn't helping. I think they need some young blood and not two grumpy old men going, oh, well, you know, we were world champions, but it was better when I was younger, Formula One, because I was the world champion. But now I'm just kind of used to it being a bit rubbish. And actually, it'd be better if it was better, but it's not better. Well, actually, let's get Stoffel in. And for you two banging on about Max Verstappen for the last year, right? <laughs> Here's a new guy on the track, and he is better than Max Verstappen. Ooh. And I am pinning my heart to to Stoffel Ruffel Van Dorn. I have to say, I was expecting after your lukewarm reception of Verstappen last year that you were going to just sort of have a find a problem with Stoffel somewhere. No, I love but, him. no oh, that's, that's good because wow. he is he is exceedingly highly rated within the motoring community. I mean, sort He's of called Stoffel. He, he has got a great name. I wouldn't care if he was rubbish. He might, he might have a name like a German pastry, but he he is extremely well rated. People are talking about him in sort of sort of Hamilton Alonso kind of terms of. of potential and quality also uh, that was the first time he'd ever driven the car well yeah, he, there's a great story where he was kind of going oh he was in he was in japan doing like formula whatever it is 700 and <laughs> he was like he flew over they had to they had to email him the manuals of how the car works <laughs> and they're like this is what the steering wheel does <laughs> he'd never done a pit stop in formula one he'd never done anything and then in that and then he's there and he had a qualifies button and then he Button, oh. He's basically like Neo in the Matrix. Once he landed, they just plugged him in. He went, whoa, oh, I know F1. Uh, yeah, no, he's, he's from uh, really good. Before you were born? No, yeah. I've, I've seen the Matrix. <laughs> uh, he, he's exceedingly good. Um, you do have to wonder what this does for Jensen. Or even Alonso. No, I think Alonso is good enough, and I think everybody in the paddock knows that Alonso is good enough, even though he has been, he's genuinely been unlucky in recent years. I think Alonso, uh, for me, Alonso is the best driver on the grid. Yeah, but uh, Button, you Button is, love I love Button, I think he's a great guy. I don't. I'm, I like Button personally more than I like Alonso, oh, but I think yeah, Alonso's a better driver. <laughs> but I, Button is only good on his day. And if things aren't perfect for him, he's he's a bit off, like this weekend. He's made to look pretty ordinary, I think. If I had the time and the inclination, I would love to go through every post-race interview with Jensen Button and get a statistic of how many times he just says, oh, it wasn't great today. <laughs> yeah, he does it a lot. I mean, his contract is up with McLaren at the end of this season. And I I would be quite surprised if, if his seat doesn't go to Van Dorn. No, I agree. Well, well, let's wait and see. But all of this makes the tables look pretty interesting. Terry, can you tell us what the standings look like so far? I certainly can. The Drivers' Championship in first place with 50 points is I Saved a Child. Uh, second place is Lewis of Bahrainio with 33 points. Aussie Tit is third. And um, in fourth, coming out of the rear, is fucking Rosewater again. <laughs> Beret the Pedal is fifth. Hot Stuff is sixth. Looking at Pension Options is seventh. <laughs> Grinding until China is eighth, and second best Nico is ninth. <laughs> Tenth is Dan Electrokeel. Eleventh <laughs> is a very naughty Bottas. Twelfth is Carlos the Backmarker, and thirteenth, thirteenth is Stoffel Ruffle. <laughs> In the constructors' championship, first place is getting a neck eight. Second is we need a new fire extinguisher. Third is we used to be so cocky. In fourth place, do the opposite of what I do. Fifth, you has to be fucking kidding. Sixth, Pokemon. Seventh, forcing to give a shit, and eighth, kick him in the ribs. <laughs> Okay, it's time for that part of the show. Let's have Terry with the State of F1. The thing that got me into Formula One was Maurizio Guggenman's crash at the start of the French Grand Prix in 1989. 
I was dimly aware of Formula One at that time, but it was probably on Grandstand. I was around my nan and granddad's. And it was in the background, and suddenly a car's driven all over the place, and then the driver just gets out, and everyone buggers off and starts again. And I was like, this is amazing. What is this sport? And then I got hooked. And I've watched Formula One ever since. I've never missed a race. Now I wonder, would a nine-year-old in 2019 or 20, whenever it is when Sky take the full coverage, would they be able to just stumble across such an epic crash? If Alonso's crash at the start of this season, which I think nine-year-olds just having Channel 4 on would watch that crash and be like, what the hell is this? This is amazing. He just gets out of the car. That's a fantastic advert for F1. I'm not saying it should be about crashes, but, you know, let's face it, people like the crashes. <laughs> And it worries me, it deeply worries me, that Sky have just announced, or Bernie Eccleston just announced, that in a few years, there's not going to be any free-to-air coverage in this country. We're going to be stuck with having to have Now TV, which is a full three hours behind Twitter on when you're doing a race. And there's going to be no sense of stumbling across F1. And F1 is going to be more and more, frankly, people like us watching it which you know I mean I'm glad we'd like Formula 1 but we've been hooked for years I don't want us to be the sole audience I don't want it just to be people who are on internet websites looking at Formula 1 the whole time Formula 1 should be about a casual audience and I am terrified that Formula 1 has just locked itself off to be a thing that's just for people who wear Rolexes and know what a hub lot is don't correct me and drink champagne and all this crap Honestly, State of F1 this week is that if we take this deal, that Formula 1 will die. But don't worry, I've got a solution. Now, you might think the easy solution is to have BBC or Channel 4 having the uh, coverage, but as we've seen, BBC can't afford it. Channel 4 have, um, you know, done okay. And I think what it should be is that it should be streamed live on our website. <laughs> Formula One sake should be the official hub of, let's face it, illegal streaming. But once we get to that point, I'm not saying that we're going to have the official contract to be the Formula One broadcaster because that sounds like a lot of paperwork. But I'm saying that people come to us for an illegal stream. This has a lot of benefits, I think. It'll, it'll drastically increase podcast coverage and so on. But it, it will cause problems in that we'll have to change the website address every three days. Yep. Because that's, that's what I, uh, from what I understand, that's what I've they do. I've already registered for F1's sake. Dot EU. F dot biz biz biz. Yeah, it's great. And it'll mean that every time we're referenced on any other social media, somebody will be going around issuing takedown notices and deleting us and stuff like that. Do you want to quickly talk about the Channel 4 coverage, since it's just arrived and now we're going to lose it in three years? They've done all right. That interview with Jensen Button and Murray Walker was weirdly edited. Mm. What, do we think of, uh, what do we think of Steve Jones? He's getting a well, lot of flack online. He follows us on Twitter, so I'm a big fan, but he also doesn't have a fucking clue what he's talking about. <laughs> See, I, I was actually genuinely quite surprised when I saw the vociferous nature of, uh, uh, of people taking against him, because I don't... I think he's... As a presenter, I think he's all right. I don't necessarily think that the presenter needs to know that much about F1. It's the guys that are with him that do need to know that. And I think in, in certainly in Weber and Coulthard, they've got a couple of good guys, and Susie Wolf is fine as well. What so. do we think of uh, Mark Webber and Christian Horner? Did you Awkward. see that bit? Oh. And now we're going to cross over to an interview with our presenter and the guy that fired him. Yes. <laughs> our presenter and a guy that he really doesn't like. 
he wandered off mid-interview, which I liked. Oh, I thought that was quite fun. I was quite in, uh, in Bahrain. I also quite enjoyed uh, uh, Weber and Coulthard running around the grid like headless chickens with only one cameraman between them, yeah, which is quite great. entertaining. Sure. But the, the thing I, I don't it. like about Channel 4's coverage is A, the music, apart from the chain at the beginning, <laughs> other than that, it suddenly goes into dubstep for no discernible reason. Uh, their That's features are also very weird. They, they did something with uh, where they went out with uh, Coulthard went out with Kvyat and Ricardo. Uh, they had three Red Bulls on track, and there was the 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 idea was that he was going to Coulthard was going to chase them and try and commentate on them at the same time to demonstrate how quick, how difficult it is to multitask in a car. And I quite like the idea of three Red Bulls blatting around the track on, uh, at once, but it was so heavily edited and orchestrated that the entire appeal of it, which would be you know, oh let's see what it's like if Coulthard goes out on the track and they're just pissing around was completely lost and and all the all the fun was edited out of it i just don't quite see what they were trying to do with it so yeah a bit weird so terry bearing all of this in mind please what is the state of f1 well as you know i like to put it on a rating scale that makes perfect sense for everyone listening so i guess we have to go this week on a rating of past formula one coverage so the worst coverage i think has to be itue's ad break coverage awful followed Second worst by just 80s BBC when it was just on grandstand. Leading up to probably BBC a few years ago and maybe Sky with the best coverage. Because this is the problem. Sky's coverage is amazing. It is pretty good. And BBC's when they were doing all the races. So what are we on now? Right now we're up there with classic Murray Walker BBC coverage. I think Formula 1's in a good place for coverage right now. Channel 4's doing all right. Sky's an amazing coverage if you want to pay for it. But when it goes to just Sky in a few years, I'm sorry, we're going back to Jim Rosenthal territory, and we don't ever want to fucking do that. (laughs) Okay, so that's almost it. But before we go, let's just go to Phil for our, for F1's sake, online predictor. Thanks very much, Chica. Yes, I'm here at Grand Prix Predictor HQ in the seat next to you. As everybody knows by now, we run our own little Predictor League uh, where you can choose who you think is going to win the races, who's going to come in the top ten, get the fastest lap, all that kind of stuff. So, after race two, leading the way once again is your man friend, Chica. It's Tom Stallion Young, who I believe is not actually called Tom Stallion Young, but it's just he's called just Tom called Young. Tom but we'll call Stallion, him Stallion because he's doing extremely well. Out of it. <laughs> His team, Drink Driving with Pasta, is is winning uh, with 152 points, a massive lead over James Lynch in second with the Lynch mob, Mark V, uh, and Tim Nichols on the same number of points as James uh, with his team, Cat Throwers Anonymous. In the internal Class B battle between the uh, FF1S presenters, my reign as leader is over because I've been overtaken by uh, Team Pussywagon. That's me. Well done. Uh, you seem to have done quite well this race. Uh, but you, you're on 62 points. I am three points behind uh, on 59 with Tin Duck Racing. Uh, and then Terry is just one point behind me. Oh, with, this uh, is getting good. With Ter- Team LucasAid Swatch. Terry, you are very close to page two, I just want to say. All right, all right. Well, maybe we can get more than 10 results on a page. That would be good. <laughs> That's what I'm aiming for. Going Classic down. 4-1 style. I don't want to get better results. I just want more results on a page. <laughs> so if you want to take part in our Super Duper League shootout, you can go to ff1s.com slash predictions where you'll find a link straight to it. So that's it. Terry, what haven't we had time for this We podcast? haven't had time for Johnny Herbert stating that Alonso should quit. Ooh, Alonso went, didn't like that, did he? That went down as bad as well as a barrel rolled into gravel in Australia. And Phil? 
We haven't had time to talk about one of the more intriguing rumours, uh, as reported by Motorsport Magazine, a very reputable publication, that Ron Dennis is working on a BMW mega deal that will include a road car link up and an F1 programme. Given that Honda things are not going so well at the moment, but there are still quite a long time to, to, to run on that deal, could we see a McLaren BMW in a few years' time? We will wait and see. We'll be back in two weeks for the Chinese Grand Prix. Set the agenda by tweeting us at For F1's Sake or go to our Facebook page, FF1S. I'm G. Crez. Until next time, goodbye. Yay! Sports Social Podcast Network.